And now it's the show brought to you by Mountaineer fans for Mountaineer fans, the Country Roads Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into episode 178 of the CRW podcast, and we're here to celebrate yet again. It's a second consecutive victory for West Virginia as WVU defeats BYU 37-7 in dominating fashion in Morgantown there to move to 6-3 overall on the season and 4-2 in Big 12 Conference play, now tied for third inside those Big 12 Conference standings. And it was a great performance from West Virginia. They got off to a fast start and never looked back. And we're going to break it down here, take a look at the numbers, do a bit of a stat review on the game, both team-wise and individual-wise. Then we'll take a look around the Big 12 and discuss some of the other results from around the conference here in Week 10 of the 2023 college football season here on our BYU Review and Reaction episode of the CRW Podcast. All right, leading off with our stat review here to kick off episode 178 here of the CRW podcast, our BYU review and reaction episode. We appreciate you guys tuning into this one, whether you're tuning in over on WVSportsNow.com or on our YouTube channel there at Country Roads Webcast. If you're watching on the video side or if you're tuning in on the audio side, you can find on any podcast platform you like, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, you name it. We appreciate that as well. Ask that if you're watching the video version, Drop us a like and be sure and give us a subscription as well if you haven't already. If you're listening on the audio side, leave us a rating review. That helps and share us around with other Mountaineer fans you may know. But diving in on these stats from this victory for West Virginia, impressive offense from the Mountaineers yet again. They're really humming over the last few weeks, and it's fun to watch if you're a West Virginia fan. Something we've been waiting to see is exciting offense in the Neil Brown era, and we're finally getting that in recent weeks. And let's dive in on the stats for proof of that. And it leads off right here with. 30 first downs for the Mountaineers. That's impressive enough. Uh, 20 picked up for BYU. And then you get into third down efficiency where West Virginia did a great job on defense getting BYU off the field on conversion downs in this game, both on third and fourth down. We'll talk about fourth down here momentarily. But on third down, three for 11 is what they held BYU to. So great job there by the West Virginia defense. But when you flip it over to the Mountaineers on offense on third down, you know, there are very few things you can complain about after, you know, winning this game in such a dominant fashion and anything that you do complain about kind of feels like nitpicking when you win a game 
in that way. But there are, you know, some things you got to look at. And of course, those can be talking points on these episodes. And as much as I try and remain optimistic, there's always those little areas that you want to try and improve on moving forward. And a couple of those in this game that we'll touch on here throughout the team statistics. And the first one of those being third down efficiency for West Virginia as they only converted 30% of their third downs in this game, three for 10 for the Mountaineers. But also, let's be honest, they didn't face a ton of third downs in this game. They were very explosive on offense. As you see, 8.3 yards per pass, seven yards per carry on the running side. So, you know, a lot of those were chunk plays on first and second down. West Virginia was really gashing BYU. So that's why they didn't face a ton of third downs. But you got to, you know, look to be more efficient there moving forward for the Mountaineers. If they want to have continued success on offense, they can really be nearly impossible to stop if they can bring being efficient on third downs into the equation as well. Uh, moving on to fourth down efficiency, and this was even a more standout effort for the West Virginia defense, forcing BYU to go 0 of 3 on their fourth downs in this game. And I think that that began right from the opening possession for BYU. They attempted to go fast and go forward on a fourth and two with a quick handoff, and West Virginia shut that down immediately as they would every other time BYU would attempt to go forward on fourth down in this game. West Virginia would force a turn over on down so excellent job there by West Virginia had making those you know game changing plays and then on the offensive side I liked what I saw from West Virginia's fourth down efficiency two for four converted 50% of those but what I like most here and what I want to point out here in terms of this on the offensive side was it's the second straight week West Virginia got off to a fast start and that's something we've been clamoring for as Mountaineer fans something we've struggled with for at least the past year is you know starting games slowly and it seems like they've kind of found an antidote for that the past couple of weeks they scored you know on their first possession against UCF they repeat that against BYU and also on both of those opening possessions they have a fourth down attempt inside their own territory where they go for it in short yardage this game it was a fourth and one CJ Donaldson with a great second effort to convert that but I love the aggressiveness West Virginia has shown in these past couple of games to you know almost will themselves to have a fast start in these games even going as far as going for a fourth down attempt on both of those opening drives against UCF and against BYU. It worked out well for the Mountaineers in both games. They got off to a 7-0 lead and haven't looked back in either game. So shout out to that as well and shout out to the Mountaineers converting fourth downs in this game at a high rate, 50% of those. Two for four. And then here's where you get into the total dominance, total yardage. West Virginia nearly a 300 yardage advantage over BYU here. 567 to 277 for BYU. So you get nearly 600 yards of total offense from West Virginia. Really awesome to see. And West Virginia also had an advantage throwing the football, even though they didn't do that a ton in this football game. They really thought that they could rely on their running game, and rightfully so. A great plan coming into this one, and it worked out well for the Mountaineers. But they did throw the football 28 times, pretty efficient in doing so, much more so uh, than BYU was going 16 of 28 for those 231 yards versus 210 yards for BYU. But they threw the football 42 times, guys, and that's kind of been the case for BYU this season. You've heard me talk about it in our Around the Big 12 segments. They've struggled to run the football this season, uh, so they've really been pass-heavy. Uh, seemed like that was their game plan even coming into this game with Jake Retzloff, who seems like a kind of gunslinger type back there. I know it was his first ever start at this level, so he's still getting his feet wet, but I think he's going to be a good player over the next couple of years 
for BYU, but you saw their game plan right from the beginning. They took a shot on the opening play, and then they really had some easy access, kind of short screen throws for Retzlov as well. So they threw the ball 42 times, but that's why you see only uh, five yards per completion for BYU in the game. And then moving on to the team rushing stats here, and this may be the most impressive thing West Virginia did in this football game. Of course, you look at BYU. They've struggled to run the ball this season. That continued in this game. 67 yards on 21 carries, just over three yards a carry. West Virginia, though, 336 yards rushing on 48 attempts, seven yards per carry, as I mentioned earlier, but over 300 yards rushing for the first time in a long time for the Mountaineers. And I think the stat they provided on the Fox broadcast was it is the first time since 2008 that West Virginia has ran for over 275 yards or more as a team. As I believe last week, they ran for 286 versus UCF. This week, they even topped that run for 336 against BYU. And you know, the stat that we love to give for a long time was West Virginia being undefeated when rushing for over 200 yards. You know, Neil Brown had been undefeated as a football coach when rushing for over 200 yards. That had dated back to his time at Troy. Unfortunately, that streak was snapped against Oklahoma State. West Virginia ran for over 200 yards and lost that game. So they still only ever lost one game when they ran for over 200 yards as a team. But here's my new stat. West Virginia is undefeated with Neil Brown as their coach when they have ran for over 300 yards as a team. And hopefully we'll be able to do that multiple more times here in the Neil Brown era. This rushing game is really clicking as this offense is in general right now. And it's been fun to watch. But I mentioned there were a couple negatives we would talk about in the team statistics. And now we've reached the other one of those. And unfortunately, that's penalties for West Virginia. I've talked about it throughout this season. You know, when West Virginia has had success, it's been when they've really had five penalties or less when they've been a team that doesn't you know, beat themselves. That's kind of been the recipe for West Virginia. So the positive side here is this didn't come back to bite you in this game. West Virginia obviously dominated the football game, winning by 30 points anyway, but they did pick up double-digit penalties in this game, 10 penalties for the Mountaineers, 10 penalties for the Cougars as well. It was actually the most penalties called in an FBS football game, so maybe there's something to be said about the refs being a little flag happy in the game for sure. But for West Virginia, they certainly got to do a better job of this because you know I think we got something in this game that we've talked about wanting to see, and that was early in the season, West Virginia's defense was playing great, but the offense wasn't playing good in games. And then we moved on to these past few games where the offense has been playing good and the defense had been struggling a bit. And so we were talking, man, if we could ever get a game where the offense and defense play good simultaneously, it could really be something. And in this football game, I think we finally got that. But what we didn't get was the discipline play that we've seen for the majority of this season for West Virginia. Low number of penalties, making smart plays and uh, good decisions. But in this game, you know, we didn't quite get that. So now we're just waiting to see the trifecta. Good offense, good defense, and smart football all together. And West Virginia could have a magic recipe there if they can get that working. And let's hope they can do that in Norman because, man, that would be the perfect time to be able to do it. But talking more positively now to wrap up the team side of the statistics here, West Virginia did win the turnover battle for the second straight week. We talked about it against UCF. West Virginia winning that turnover battle was the first time they had won it in a Big 12 game since Baylor of last year. And now West Virginia had repeated has repeated that winning the turnover battle yet again against BYU, one to nothing. And it was an impressive one there, forced by Aubrey Burks as well. And then West Virginia, of course, as is to be expected now on these stat sheets, been the case all season pretty much. West Virginia wins time of possession pretty handedly, 35 minutes to 
24 for BYU. So that will wrap the team stats for us. Now let's take a look at the individual statistics for the Mountaineers in this big win over BYU, their sixth win of the season and their fourth conference win as well. And, you know, I've talked about cashing tickets on this show. Last week we were cashing a ticket of the over four and a half win line that DraftKings provided earlier in the year. Well, guess what other line DraftKings provided preseason? It was an over-under on conference wins for West Virginia, and that was set at three and a half. So if you took that, like some hosts of the Country Roads webcast may have, um, you probably cashed that ticket as well because West Virginia won their fourth conference game uh, with this victory over uh, BYU as well. But I digress on that. Let's look at these individual statistics. Garrett Green, you know, a lot of people like to harp on the completion percentage, and I understand, you know, if you want to nitpick like I've talked about here throughout this review, you certainly can. It's something that could afford to be raised is to have a little bit higher completion percentage for Garrett Green would be nice to see because he could hit you know some more of those layups as Neil Brown termed him earlier in the season. He's been excellent with the deep ball, but you know sometimes these short passes, the intermediate throws, I could think of a couple crossers to you know one to Devin Carter, one to Cole Taylor. Missed a couple crossing routes to Cole Taylor against UCF as well. And then in this game, a couple of swing passes to C.J. Donaldson that were definitely layups, I would call them, that he probably could have hit if he put a little bit more touch on the football. So, you know, that's a little bit of a nitpick, but you can't harp on Garrett Green right now. The guy's playing excellent football. He's the reason that West Virginia has won, you know, these past couple of games. Not him solely, but without him, you know, it would be a different football team because he really just brings something else to the table that doesn't really even show up on a stat sheet. It's just that it factor that he has that the guy's a winner, and I think West Virginia will continue to win a lot of football games with him behind center. And, you know, you see that this season. We're having the most successful season we've had in a handful of years as West Virginia fans, and uh, Garrett Green has played a big part in that. And in this game, 205 yards passing, two touchdowns, 12 of 24. So you do get the 50% completion percentage that I talked about there. But also I want to add that, you know, West Virginia's taken a lot of deep shots. Uh, one, because their offense kind of lends itself to that with the way that play action will set up off West Virginia's run game success. But also, that's Garrett Green's greatest strength as he throws the deep ball phenomenally well. So West Virginia's going to utilize that. And when you're throwing a lot of deep balls, it's going to make you have a lower completion percentage as well. So we got to take that into account when we're talking about Garrett Green's completion percentage. And then Nico coming in late in the game when West Virginia was able to get some reserves in this game, which was great to see. 4-4 four four for 26 yards uh, rushing. This is where we talked about, you know, West Virginia really taking things up a notch in these past couple of games. 286 yards as a team versus UCF, 336 in this one against BYU, and you got to lead it off with my guy. You know, I talked about him a ton here on the CRW throughout the offseason. I believe it was three months ago we put out one of the more successful videos we've ever put out on the Country Roads webcast YouTube channel, and that was talking about Jaheim White. And I believe in the title, the question that I asked was, has West Virginia found another freshman phenom? And I think that now we can affirmatively say the answer to that question is definitely yes. They sure have Jaheim White really coming into his own in recent weeks. 16 carries, 146 yards, long of 32, nearly broke, you know, a long touchdown run, and I've talked about that here in recent weeks that I think that he's just very, very close. And you saw it in this game. He was an ankle tackle away from making, you know, a 70-yard touchdown run when West Virginia was backed up there at one point and then nearly, you know, a 50-some yarder at another point. Ended up being both, actually, I think, 32-yard gains, coincidentally enough. But Jaheim White just looks super explosive and just that different dimension that he brings that West Virginia hasn't had in quite some time, just that home run hitting ability. And he's really fun to watch, man, and it's going to be fun to watch him throughout his 
West Virginia career, especially if he's forming this one-two punch that he has been forming with C.J. Donaldson, who also had another great game. Second straight week that we've seen C.J. Donaldson kind of revert back to the form that we were hoping to see him revert back to, and he looked great. Two rushing touchdowns for him near the goal line. I mentioned the fourth down conversion on West Virginia's first drive of the game, and that was all C.J., all of his efforts there kind of willing West Virginia to get that conversion. 14 carries, 102 yards. Both of these West Virginia backs going over 100 yards rushing. And then I talked about Nico coming in late in the game. Got a few carries when he did. Uh, actually had a 20-plus yard run on a nice you know, jet sweep action, which was actually a quarterback power, quarterback counter look behind it. Uh, three carries, 36 yards for Nico. Four carries, 23 yards for Garrett Green. He even mentioned in his postgame press conference that he wouldn't uh, going into this game, expecting to run the football a lot, uh, kind of wasn't in the game plan. And I think that's smart. Save his legs for this big matchup, you know, in Norman next week when you're really going to need him at his best and at his most healthy. And you're probably going to factor him more into the game plan and a lot of read stuff for him this week in Norman, I would suspect. And then Rodney Gallagher really getting more involved in the offense. Another true freshman for West Virginia when you talk about this offense's potential is Rodney Gallagher. And I love the way that they're using him. Three carries for 21 yards and showed that shiftiness yet again continues to be special with his moves, you know, with the ball in his hands and you get him an open space and you never know what can happen. Love what we've seen from Monday Gallagher the third. Six carries, five yards for Justin Johnson. And then Jarrell Williams, when the reserves came in late, got a carry on a jet sweep there. Four four yards that totals up the 336 that West Virginia picked up and the two rushing touchdowns against BYU. As we move on to the receiving stats here for West Virginia, Devin Carter, three catches, 56 yards. And most of those were pretty impressive. I think of the sequence there to end the second quarter where he got two of those, one of them being an impressive grab on third and 14. Looks like West Virginia was going to end the half, not get a chance to score there, but instead Devin Carter goes up and absolutely moss as a defender for a 38-yard gain on the sideline. Perfectly placed ball by Garrett Green, too, where only really Devin Carter could go up and get it. So he grabs that one, then a couple plays later uh, catches another ball to set up first and goal there at the five, where West Virginia would go on to kick the field goal there to give them the 27-0 halftime lead. So a couple impressive catches there from Devin Carter in another clutch situation where he seems to be Garrett Green's go-to guy in those scenarios. It's either him or it's Cole Taylor. And Cole Taylor was targeted a lot in this game, unfortunately, didn't connect. But the one time that they did connect, it was very special, and it was a 43-yard touchdown. And I loved the design of that play because it's that toss play that West Virginia used a lot this season. And you've also seen them – use that toss play. You've seen them fake that toss and it be a quarterback counter, quarterback power uh, look behind it for Garrett Green. You've seen them fake that toss and send Cole Taylor up the rail for a touchdown. They did that against Texas Tech when Nico was starting. Uh, they faked that toss and sent him up the rail on that wheel route for a touchdown. And then in this game, they show another look off of it. They fake that toss play, send Cole Taylor up the seam, and he was wide open, catches the pass, makes two defenders miss, and then carries another one on his back about five yards leaping into the end zone to convert that 43-yard touchdown. Impressive effort from Cole Taylor to get into the end zone on that one. Wasn't going to be denied. And then Traylon Ray, Three catches, 42 yards, but if I'm not mistaken, they were all in one sequence on one drive for West Virginia where they hit him on a nice uh, little screen pass, if I'm not mistaken, and then a post route where he went up and made a tough catch where he got absolutely drilled by a defender, still held on to the football, and then caught another one where he got right at the one-yard line, actually got pushed into the end zone, but they had uh, blown the play dead and stopped his forward progression, You know, ruled it dead prior to him crossing the goal line, so 
excellent sequence for those three catches and 42 yards that nearly got him into the end zone and continues to impress in his true freshman season. You get three catches for 39 yards for E.J. Horton. Maybe the most impressive of those to me came late in the game when West Virginia hit him on a little tunnel screen and you saw him really get up the sidelines and show that other gear because we've seen his speed as far as beating defensive backs down the field, but that was really the first time we've seen it when he gets the ball in his hands in space and gets to show that extra gear, and it was that 23-yard reception on that screen pass for him. Uh, loving what we're seeing from E.J. Horton in recent weeks. Preston Fox, three catches, 33 yards. Maybe the most impressive being the touchdown crab, grab that he went up and uh, caught there in the back of the end zone, and love what we're seeing from him. Just continues to be Mr. Consistent there among the West Virginia receiving core. And Rodney Gallagher, one catch, 14 yards. Showed it on that jet sweep action, and it actually was you know, a play before that. He had caught a longer gain. I believe it might have been a 20-plus yarder that they then ruled an eligible man downfield, but it was the latest call I've probably ever seen in my life. I mean, West Virginia was already lined up for the other play, waiting to snap the next play, and they were calling an eligible man downfield on the previous play on Rodney Gallagher, and then they ended up doing a crazy review, which I never understood after that. But after that long sequence, West Virginia kind of looked like they decided Hey, that worked out pretty good because it was a fake jet sweep to Rodney Gallagher the third, and it was a design pass play. It looked like Gary Green was looking down the field, but the thing was after that jet sweep action, no one covered Rodney Gallagher, so he just kind of snuck up the sideline. Gary Green hit him for a long gain. Like I said, gets called back. They have a lengthy review. What does West Virginia do coming back out? They said, hey, it worked pretty good. Let's try it again off of design this time. So fake the jet sweep to Rodney Gallagher. Let him go up the sideline a little bit. Hit him for a 14-yard gain. And I like that. I like seeing Rodney Gallagher get involved in the passing game. Would love to see West Virginia target him downfield a little bit more. Haven't really seen them do that this season much. The only other time I can think of them doing so was on an out-and-up route he ran earlier in the season, and it was beautifully ran. The throw was just a little bit off, or it would have been a touchdown for him. So maybe West Virginia will break that out against Oklahoma because you got to think they're going to pull out all the stops in that one. And then late when West Virginia had the reserves in, Justin Johnson caught two passes for four yards to round out the West Virginia receivers. Flipping over to the defensive side and leading it off, you see the forced fumble there by Aubrey Burks, and it was an impressive play by him. West Virginia kind of gang-tackled a BYU receiver when it looked like BYU was going to be set up in the red zone and maybe have a chance to score earlier in this game than what they did. Instead, Aubrey Burks reaches in, rips out the football, not only strips it, but then recovers it. An impressive play from an impressive player there for West Virginia. And then getting into the defensive stats, I won't read through all of these. You guys can see them here if you're watching on the video side, but just some of the standout ones to me. Eight tackles for Lee Koba, a tackle and a half for a loss. And what West Virginia did in this game that was impressive to me was we saw some of the pass rush come back. We saw West Virginia rack up TFLs. I think they had eight TFLs and three sacks in this game if I'm not mistaken. And Lee Koba has kind of taken over as the de facto blitzing linebacker for West Virginia. Trey Lathan had been that guy and been one of the Big 12's leaders in quarterback pressures prior to his injury. But since then, the pass rush for West Virginia has kind of been struggling. This week, we finally saw it come back to life a little bit, and hopefully that continues for the Mountaineers. And Lee Koba did a great job providing some of that, and you see that as well in the run game when he got in there and stuffed some of those runs on those one-and-a-half tackles for a loss there. Marcus Floyd continues to be consistent this season. Seven tackles, one TFL for him, and another West Virginia linebacker standing out again, Ben Cutter. You can see the game is really slowing down for the true freshman now. He's playing good football. Two TFLs for him and six tackles. Beanie Bishop, 
five total tackles, but he had five more pass breakups in, in this game, guys. Continues to lead the nation, and it's looking like he's well on his way to breaking the West Virginia football season record for pass breakups, and that stood a long time. I believe it's Brian King that holds that record, if I'm not mistaken. Beanie Bishop has over 20 pass breakups on the season right now, so phenomenal pickup for West Virginia. That's doing a phenomenal job there in the defensive backfield. Anthony Wilson added a tackle for a loss of his own and five tackles. Thought it was probably his best game I've seen him play this season. West Virginia safeties had been harped on in recent weeks, and I thought that they really responded to that and probably put on their best performance of the season overall as a unit. Mentioned Aubrey Burks' forced fumble. He added three tackles to that. Uh, Caden Bowser, Jacoby Spells got in the action. That was great to see. As I said, West Virginia getting some reserve members of the roster into the action in this game. You see two tackles credited for the true freshman running back, DJ Oliver, and that was a standout on special teams. You know, West Virginia did a pretty good job on special teams in this football game, uh, but two tackles for DJ Oliver was great to see, especially one of them. He pinned BYU inside their own 20, and you saw a little bit of that, um, you know, C.J. Donaldson acclaimed 22-mile-an-hour speed that he talked about with the 240-pound running back, D.J. Oliver. And how about him getting out there, making plays on special teams, finding a way to contribute here in his true freshman season, and watch out for him in the backfield for the future of West Virginia, I'm telling you guys. Uh, Hammond Russell loved him getting in and teaming up for a sack with Asani Redwood. Both of those guys are young defensive linemen that are going to play a part of the future of West Virginia football. And West Virginia's defensive line had another standout game Another half a sack for uh, Tommy Durajaye as well. So that's kind of a rundown of the statistics for West Virginia in this big 37-7 win over BYU. All right, Mountaineer Nation. So those are kind of my takeaways via the stat review here of West Virginia's dominant performance there, winning the game over BYU to become bowl eligible. And how about that? Bowl eligible here in the first week of November. Been a long time since we've been able to say that, and you got to kind of tip your hat to the job this coaching staff has done. You know, a couple of weeks ago, it seemed like people were really – against them and they were dead in the water yet again they found a way to respond and you got to talk about their resiliency and this team's resiliency that they've shown time and time again throughout this season in West Virginia you look now here we are three games left and West Virginia is tied for third place in the Big 12 conference staring down the barrel of one of their best years they've ever had in the Big 12 right now. And, you know, that's no small feat. So shout out to that. And that's kind of my biggest takeaway from this game is that and the fact that a lot of people are talking about, you know, this is not a good BYU football team. People are trying to, you know, be negative and kind of downplay the win by saying that. And also adding into the fact that BYU was dealing with some injuries. And I understand that. And I'm not, you know, necessarily disagreeing with that either. But my response to that is, how about the fact that we saw a West Virginia team finally take advantage of those things? We saw a West Virginia football team have a killer instinct. Uh, we saw a West Virginia football team that gets a lead and doesn't, you know, just play not to lose, that continues to keep their foot on the pedal for the most of this game until probably the fourth quarter when they then finally coasted. And those are things that we haven't seen in recent years. Those are things that we've complained about, you know, when we've been playing a team that it looked like we were better than matchup-wise. We always talk about West Virginia playing down to their competition. So I think there's something to be said about West Virginia not doing that in this game. That's kind of my major takeaway is West Virginia winning a game in the way that they should win it. And, you know, the old adage has always been good teams win, great teams cover, and West Virginia covered this game by a lot. And hopefully they're well on their way to being considered a great team at season's end 
they've got a big game that will play a part in them being considered that, of course, coming up this week in Norman, and we're looking forward to that one. But that will pretty much wrap up my thoughts on this game against BYU as West Virginia comes away with a dominating 37-7 win to move to 6-3 and overall and 4-2 and in the Big 12 Conference. And speaking of that Big 12 Conference, there sure were some good football games that took place. So let's have a little bit of a recap of those games here in our final segment here on Episode 178 of the CRW Podcast as we take a look around the Big 12. All right, around the Big 12 here to wrap on episode 178 of the CRW Podcast here, our BYU Review and Reactions Edition. Obviously, we've already talked about the results of the Thursday game, if you caught our BYU preview episode. We dropped that on Friday, so we actually had a chance to discuss the results of the Thursday night game in which Texas Tech defeated TCU. So we'll move on to Saturday here. Kansas State and Texas, this was a great football game to lead off the slate. Got a chance to tune into this one, and Texas ultimately comes out on top 33-30 to over Kansas State. There at the end, it goes to overtime. Kansas State you know, goes on defense first, holds Texas to a field goal, so you're really liking Kansas State's chances, especially they hit Ben Sennett right away there, get it down inside the five, but the one thing that I've talked about with Texas throughout this season is their defense is really strong, especially that defensive line, and you see evidence of that. Kansas State set up first and goal, Inside the five, all they got to do is score a touchdown to beat Texas. But Texas's defensive line is so stout, it's almost like you don't trust that you can run the football there to get in. You know, there was a sequence there at the end of the game when Kansas State tried to run the football and they got no push on that big Texas defensive line. You know, Sweat and those guys are absolutely massive. So it's tough to move the football. So it's tough to call plays once you get into that area against Texas. And that's what you saw from Kansas State. And you get four straight stops from Texas as Chris Kleiman elects to go for it on fourth and goal there instead of kicking the field goal to force a second overtime. He goes for the win. It doesn't work out. Will Howard kind of slips in his drop back. It's a broken play, essentially. And Texas gets the win, 33-30, to to maintain the advantage they have there on the, in the inside track they have to be you know, the conference's regular season champion here in 2023. And then moving on, of course, the next game was our game of the week. So we'll move on to Houston and Baylor. And man, uh, this one, stop me if you guys have heard this before. Houston wins this game and they win it by on the road on a two-point conversion play. And the two-point conversion play that they use to win the game is they spread out the defense five wide and the quarterback runs it in and they win the game by one point on a two-point conversion. Sound familiar? Well, it happened in Waco this Saturday. Houston beats Baylor 25-24. to Donovan Smith runs in the two-point conversion in overtime for the Houston win. And uh, Dave Aranda and Baylor, man, they're really struggling right now this season. Houston and, and the Holgersons there get a win that they desperately need. And uh, maybe it keeps his job for another year. We'll see what happens at the end of the season there in Houston. as uh, It's a couple of coaches that are maybe on the hot seat potentially there battling it out uh, between Dave Aranda and Dana Holgerson. And Holgerson gets the win there with his aggressive mindset there on the two-point conversion. Going for the win. So, you know, the first two games we're discussing here on the Around the Big 12 segment one, one coach goes for the win in Chris Kleiman and doesn't pay off. Another goes for it in Holgerson, and it does pay off for him as Houston gets the win on the road in Waco. 
And then UCF and Cincinnati, this was the battle of the winless teams here in the Big 12. Both of these teams gunning for their first win in conference, and you could see that the way this game played out, battling back and forth, ending up a two-point win for UCF. I think that their running game was the advantage at the end of the day. R.J. Harvey had a nice day running the football for them, and it proved to be the difference. They do just enough to secure the victory, and you see the Knights there get their first win as a member of the Big 12 there at Nippert Stadium in Cincinnati, 28-26 to over the Bearcats. Of course, we've talked extensively about the Mountaineers defeating the Cougars 37-7. to But in the other night game that took place in the conference, Kansas actually goes into Ames, which we know is a very tough place to play, especially at night, and they are able to secure and hold on for a 28-21 win, and it was no easy task. You know, they had to fight off a valiant comeback effort from the Cyclones there late in that football game, but Kansas does just enough to win this one, and a lot of it is thanks to Jason Bean, because as we kind of talked about in the preview, Iowa State is a good defense, and they're a good defense at stopping the run. You knew that would be their primary focus against the Jayhawks, and I wondered if Kansas would be able to win if they shut down that running game. That's one of the reasons I picked Iowa State to win this football game, that along with their home field advantage. But uh, Jason Bean continues to be underrated, I think. Iowa State holds Kansas to under 100 yards rushing in this football game. But Jason Bean throws for 287 and really, you know, is one of the reasons Kansas gets this big win and, you know, remains there involved in the conference title race 28-21 to over Iowa State. The Jayhawks continue their winning ways in what was a big game and an important game there in this conference title race, as was, of course, our game of the week this week in our Around the Big 12 segment here on the CRW podcast, and that was what we believe to potentially be the final Bedlam game ever. And Oklahoma State comes out on top of it, and it's kind of bittersweet for me as a Mountaineer fan because I talked about it in the preview show, really West Virginia kind of needed Oklahoma to win this game because we need Oklahoma State to lose a couple of times for West Virginia to have a chance to reach the Big 12 title game even if they win out this season, so It felt weird because you don't want Oklahoma to win the final bedlam. You don't want them to go out off to the SEC with that win. You know, you're kind of wanting to root against Oklahoma and Texas this season, obviously. But then the Mountaineer side of me uh, wanted to Oklahoma to win for our advantage to potentially, you know, reach the conference title game. But doesn't happen. So ultimately, it's the Cowboys winning 27 to 24. And, you know, the Big 12 fan of in me uh, is happy to see it, though. Um, they send the Sooners off with an L in the final Bedlam game. And I thought it was hilarious. Someone shared a clip from the game at the end there. The fans stormed the field and they're playing the uh, song, We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. Uh, pretty funny stuff there from the Cowboys. But, you know, I talked about in the preview show, you knew going in that Mike Gundy was going to be hungry for this win. This was a game they had circled, playing it in still water and they do just enough I thought Oklahoma did a pretty good job on defense against Ollie Gordon which is strange to say when he runs for nearly 140 yards and two touchdowns but this is a guy that of course had ran for 250 plus in the past two weeks so I think for Oklahoma State really shout out to Alan Bowman what a performance for him in this game you know he was really hot at different points over 300 yards passing and he was a big reason they were able to secure this victory the best I've seen him play in quite some time and Oklahoma State's looking like they have a great chance to go play Texas in the conference title right now. Because of that, they win what will be probably the final Bedlam game, 27-24 to over the Oklahoma Sooners as we wrap up our Round the Big 12 segment here on episode 178 of the CRW Podcast. All right, so there you have it, Mountaineer Nation. 
broke down the game against BYU, provided my takeaways. Love to hear your all's thoughts about it. If you're tuning in on the video side, drop those down in the comments below. We appreciate those interactions as we continue to try and grow the Country Roads webcast community throughout Mountaineer Nation. And looking forward to a big showdown against the Sooners this coming Saturday and looking forward to talking about that game. We'll be previewing it here midweek as we'll release our Oklahoma preview podcast, which will be episode 179 in the coming days. So be on the lookout for that as well as other West Virginia content we're going to have coming at you now. Basketball season tipping off this week as well. So both these sports running simultaneously. We'll be putting out a ton of content covering it here at the CRW. So the best way to find out when we release that content is by following us on social media. And you can do that. Check us out on X at WVU Country Roads. And then we're Country Roads Webcast both on Facebook and Instagram. We appreciate you guys tuning into this episode any way you choose to do so, whether it's watching it on the video side, listening on the audio side that you can find on any podcast platform you like. Just search Country Roads Webcast there as well. Leave us a rating and review. That'll help us on that side also. But West Virginia, 6-3, and three, bowl eligible here in the first month of November. Already four conference wins, so very successful season, but we're hoping to see it become even more successful as it's a huge showdown in Norman this Saturday for our West Virginia Mountaineers as they head down to take on the Oklahoma Sooners in an important game in the Big 12 title race. And we're looking forward to that one. And we know all of you all are as well as there's three games left in this West Virginia football season. And it's going to be a fun end as it winds down. And we'll be talking about it along the way and covering it here on the Country Roads webcast. Having said that, as always, I'm Jordan Cruz. And until next time, let's go Mountaineers. Wanna know, then come on, let's go Take a stroll down those